going to be speaking tonight on a subject titled, Things That Touch the Heart of God. Things That Touch the Heart of God. Um, when we talk about being redeemed, like the song a while ago, and what God has done for us, I believe all of us as children of God should uh, have a desire to touch the heart of God, uh, to have a relationship with Him, a fellowship with Him, amen, that is unique, true, and powerful. And here's, here's what the facts are. God has been so good to all of us that it would be humanly impossible to thank Him enough or give Him enough praise. Hallelujah. Do you think you would ever have enough time to give God enough thanks and praise for everything He's done for you? Hallelujah. Amen. It would, it's humanly impossible for us to do that. And when the psalmist David began to ponder what could he give God for all his benefits toward him? What shall I render unto the Lord? Hallelujah. I've thought about that before. I wonder, you know, if you've thought about that before. If you, it's even crossed your mind. What can I do for God? What can I give to him for all his benefits toward me. David asks that question. Then he comes right back in verse 13 and he answers it by saying, I will take the cup of salvation. Hallelujah. And truly, that would be the greatest gift that you could ever give God, and that is to partake of the salvation he has provided for us. Because think about how many people, millions of people in the world that don't regard what Jesus did at Calvary at all. Hallelujah. How many people around this world don't take a second thought, don't take a second to think about what Jesus did to provide salvation? Salvation might be free, but it didn't come cheap. Hallelujah. And I believe the greatest gift that we could give God is to partake of that cup of salvation. God, you provided me this. I'm going to drink from it. Oh, hallelujah. I am going to jump into this wholeheartedly with everything I got, with everything that was in me. Hallelujah. God, you provided me this great salvation, and I won't neglect it. There's nothing else greater that you could do to give God to render unto him for the benefits that he has given unto you. But when you set out to serve the Lord and to build a relationship with him, as with any relationship that's built on love, you seek to know the things that touch God's heart. Hallelujah. 
I want to know, I don't know about you, but I want to know what touches the heart of God. I want to know what it takes to please Him. Hallelujah. Because I'm so grateful for everything He's done for me some kind of way. And I know it's difficult being a human and being, being in the flesh. It, it's not easy. But, Lord, I want to strive, amen, to do whatever it takes that I can touch your heart. When you fall in love with someone, you work hard to win their heart. But, you know, mankind already benefits from his love toward us. That's the first thing I want to tell you tonight. There's nothing you have to do to win God's love. Hallelujah. Those of you that's watching on our live stream tonight, there is nothing. Give it up. Like the song they sung about a while ago, quit fighting a fight that's already been won. Hallelujah. There ain't nothing you can do in this world to win the love of God. Because you already got it. Hallelujah. He's already given his love to you. You don't have to work. You don't have to do nothing to try to win the love of God. John 3.16 speaks boldly towards that. For God so loved the world that he gave. Somebody please tell me what the world ever did to win the love for God. <laughs> the world ain't never tried to win the love of God. The world could care less about the love of God. But guess what? He loves the world even though the world don't love him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Spirit of God right there. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son, hallelujah, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Somebody ought to give God praise in the house over there. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory. So because, because I've got this love from Him, I desire to do things that will touch his heart and to please him. Now, the Word of God gives us several hints how to achieve this end. There is a way that you can touch the heart of God. And like I told you this morning, any time you touch the heart of God, there's going to be a response. When you reach out to try to touch the, love, the heart of God, he's going to respond to you, amen, in a positive way. So from that thought, I want to share with you a few things that touch the heart of God. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things in the Bible that, gives, that talks about this, and there's no way because of time that I could come and approach them all, but we want to talk about two or three of them tonight, amen, if we possibly can, because I would love for all of us 
amen, as, as a body and as individuals to make it your daily aim and effort when you get up in the morning to, to think on this thing. What can I do that I might touch God's heart today? That I may do something to make him smile my way. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, so many people, they strive to get the approval of this one and that one. Amen. And they want the, the accolades and the pats on the back from various people. Oh, but if I can just get the Lord to look down from glory, just give me a little grin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. To look at me and say, oh, amen, that, that's my son right there. Hallelujah. Oh, that's my son right there. Amen. I'm, you know, just, just as any parent, when, they, when they, they see their children excel in something and they do well at something, amen, it makes pride spring up in the heart of that parent and to make you happy and proud that, hey, that, that's my kid. I'm, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I like to try to do things, amen, to make, that will make God's heart swell up in pride a little bit and say, that's my child right there. Hallelujah, that's my child right there. So I strive to touch the heart of God. The first thing that I found in Scripture, amen, uh, that will help us to touch the heart of God is approaching Him with a contrite heart. Approaching Him with a contrite heart. Did you know that a surefire way to touch God's heart in a positive way is in the manner that we approach him? Hello? Amen. If you want to touch the heart of God, think about the way that you approach God. It's sad to say that, but in our world today, reverence has been thrown out the door. Amen. We got a growing segment of people don't they, they don't they don't respect or reverence hardly anything. Amen. But you know, when we come in the presence of you, you, you try to go now we don't have a king here in America, but you hop on a plane and you fly to Great Brit uh, Britain, and if you can get an office with the king or the queen of England. I guarantee you, you ain't going to, first of all, you ain't going to enter the palace just any old way. Come on. Amen. Matter of fact, amen, they would, they would, they would stop you, but just a lot, a lot, but just about what you're wearing. Hallelujah. You use respect when you approach a king or a queen. How many knows that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? And there, we, if there's anything that we, we talk about the past, if there's anything we need to go back and get from the past and put it back right now, it's a little bit of reverence and respect for God and his house. We've lost that among many things in this world. But a surefire way to touch God's heart in a positive way is in the matter that we approach him. Pride and arrogance is a stink in his nostrils. Hallelujah. Pride and arrogance is a stink in the nostrils of God. Simply put, God hates pride. 
You say, I thought God is a God of love. He is a God of love. But if you read the Bible, you'll find there's several things that he hates. Hallelujah. You know why you got the capacity to hate? Because it comes from God. That's part of the image of God. Hallelujah. Amen. God hates pride. Pride was the downfall of Satan. Amen. And the root of all sin is pride. Now, some sins you may say, well, you know, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, the Bible lets us know that when you break it all down to the nitty-gritty, pride is the root of every sin ever committed. Hallelujah. It was a downfall of the devil. So we should never attempt to approach the throne with a spirit of pride and holiness. Neither should we think to please him with works or accomplishments we have achieved. Don't come strutting in before God. Hey, big daddy, look what I've done. A lot of people have that kind of attitude. <laughs> Amen. Glory. Some people try to touch the heart of God with their good deeds and their works. You ain't going to never do it. You won't never do it. You won't never be able to approach him that way. We should never attempt to approach the throne of God, amen, with works and accomplishments that we have achieved. If you want to, if you want to touch the heart of God, You've got to touch him with a contrite heart. Psalms 51, verses 16 and, and 17. And by the way, before I read that, Psalms 51 is actually the prayer of repentance that David prayed when he committed the sin with Bathsheba and wound up killing her husband to cover up his sin. Amen. And if you want to know how to pray a prayer of repentance, you need to read Psalms 51. But in verse 16 and 17, this is what David said. For thou desires not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delights not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Glory. When you approach God, if you want to touch his heart, if you want, if you want to get a good response from God, then you've got to approach him with a contrite heart. Now, the meaning of contrite just in the regular English dictionary is, is remorseful, regretful, and repentant. That's what contrite means. It means to be remorseful, regretful, and repentant. Now, I'm not talking about... Uh, Senators and congressmen who gets up and say, I'm sorry, 
They may be sorry, but they're sorry they got caught. The Bible said godly sorrow leads to repentance. Can you say amen? So contrite is remorseful, regretful, repentant. We should never approach him with a self-righteous attitude, pretending to be something or somebody we're not. I get so sick of people in the church all the time trying to put on some kind of air and show. Live like the devil out in the world, then they come to the house of God and try to put on they are somebody. Well, I guarantee you, you're not going to touch the heart of God in a positive way when you come before him. If you've got a self-righteous attitude, come on, and you pretend to be something or someone you're not. Hallelujah. If you just be yourself in the front of God, if there needs to be improvement, you will touch God's heart by being yourself, and he'll help you to be something better. Come on. He'll help you to be something better. You see, God knows who we are. He knows where we have been, and he knows what we've done. So how in the world can I hide something from God? I can't do it. You can't do it. He knows who we are. He knows where we've been. And he knows what we've done. So always come to God in repentance. That will touch his heart. I told you this morning that I wouldn't like some who's already made it and got everything fixed up and right and everything. I'm more like the Apostle Paul. I have to die daily. Hallelujah. Just about every day in my life, I have to take a ball, peen, and hammer and hit Sammy Pruitt in the head, spiritually speaking. Now, Sister Darling would be glad to do it for reality sometimes. <laughs> I knew she was thinking, and that's why I said that. Hallelujah. Now, everybody in the world knows about that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. We always, when we come to God, should come with a repentant heart. That's what being contrite is. I don't never, I don't never pray a prayer. Unless I was somewhere towards the beginning of that prayer, I, ask, I don't ask God to forgive me of my wrongs. Because you know what? There's sometimes we, we may do wrong that we don't realize it. Hallelujah. Amen. And I think that we always should come to God because the Bible says that God is near those of a broken and contrite heart. God help us to be able to do that. All right. The second thing that I want to talk about of how to approach God and how to touch his heart is, number two, a willingness to make a sacrifice. Now, we're going to get tight here. Hallelujah. A lot of people will go to church and serve God as long as it don't cost them anything. They don't mind. They don't mind doing a little religious uh, uh, two-step. 
But don't ask them to put out anything. Don't ask them to make a sacrifice. Guess what? I already told you, and I probably about everybody in here tonight, every one of us had to make a sacrifice to be here tonight. And because you sacrificed to be the house on God's house on Sunday night, you've touched the heart of God by just being here. Amen. You are pleasing God by doing it because God knows that it takes an effort. When I say sacrifice, that's what I mean, making an effort. <coughs> First Chronicles chapter 21, we started talking about David, and we're going to continue to talk about him a little bit. <coughs> Verses 18 through 25 of First uh, Chronicles chapter 21. Listen to this. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, and Gad was a prophet, uh, who uh, had come to talk to David. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of, of Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Notice that. David went up at the word of Gad. Notice, it didn't say the word of God, it said the word of Gad. Gad was the man of God that God had sent to David. And God used Gad to let David know what he needed to do. So jump off that old horse he about wore today and say, I don't listen to nobody, no man, I just listen to God. God speaks to people through other men and women. Hallelujah. So David obeyed the word of Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. And we should do the same thing when anybody speaks to us in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. When anybody speaks to us in the name of the Lord. All right, let's um, go on. Now Ornan turned and saw the angel. And his four sons who were with him hid themselves. Hallelujah. If you was to ever see an angel appear to you, would you, would you run and hide or would you stay? I wonder. Hallelujah. That would, be, that would be quite a thing, I would say, to have an angel appear before you. Hallelujah. Ornan saw that angel that, uh, that was there. Amen. Uh, he, he continued threshing wheat. Verse 21, Then David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David. And he went out from the threshing floor and bowed before David. The reason why he did this, David was his king, and with his face to the ground. <coughs> then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. Remember, God had spoke to David through the prophet to do this. And so he said, grant me this place, amen, that I may build an altar to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. You see, David had done a no-no again, and there was a plague upon on the land. And David had called out to God and and. 
uh, and, uh, and, and David and God told David what he needed to do to stop this plague. So uh, he was trying to purchase this piece of ground, which, by the way, we know now that it's the same spot of ground <coughs> that the temple was built on much, much later. Hallelujah. Let's continue. Amen. Uh, uh, this. Verse 23. And Ornan said to David, Take it to yourself, and let my lord the king do what is, what is good in his eyes. Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offering, the threshing of implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. Man, Ornan was willing to just give up everything. He said, take it all, amen, and, and to, to use it. But notice in verse 24, then King David said to Ornan, no. That's pretty straightforward, ain't it? No, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings that which cost me nothing. Listen to that. That's a principle right there that God has always honored. Hallelujah. David said, I'm not going to offer God anything that don't cost me something. Hallelujah. It's got to cost me something if I'm going to offer. So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. Now the story of King David in this text reveals to us one of the reasons why that even though David had a problem overcoming his flesh, but yet he was still called a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. David had more trouble than a lot of folks with his flesh. Hallelujah. I mean, we all know some of the things that David did and he committed. But yet after, after he's even committed some of those things, God still referred to him as a man after his own heart. Think about that. Why is that? It's because he refused to give to God anything that didn't cost him something. He was willing to sacrifice something for God. Apostolics, when are you going to start sacrificing for God again? When are you going to burn the midnight oil again? When are you going to push back your plate and fast a little bit for the lost and those dying and going to hell? Amen. When are you going to seek God in travail for revival that God's house may be filled, that people may be baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost? Like I said this morning, when are we going to stop being so lazy? David, by the principle he lived for, was some of the reasons why he was a man after God's own heart. <laughs> Glory to God. How many people, let me ask this question, how many people today are cheap when it comes to giving something to God? Hallelujah. And I've run across a few people who are so tight they squeak when they walk. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. 
And that might be one thing when it comes to everything else, but you shouldn't be tight toward God. Come on. A lot of people are simply cheap when it comes to God and giving something to Him. You know what I call them? I call them spiritual tightwads. Hey, and I'm not just talking about money in your pocketbook here. Don't, don't, don't think I'm just talking about your pocketbook here. There's some people that could drop a $100 bill in the offering plate but because of other things that they don't are not willing to give up for God, they're still spiritual tightwads. Hallelujah. It's tight, but it's right. Hallelujah. We shouldn't be cheap when it comes to God. We should be wanting to touch His heart. And if you want to touch His heart, you've got to be willing to make a sacrifice. We shouldn't, have, we shouldn't pass something that's secondhand on to God. If you're going to give something to God, give him your best and don't give him anything. Let's go to Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. <coughs> now here is Jehovah God <coughs> speaking to the prophet Malachi to pass on to the people of Israel back in that day. Notice what he said. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? Wow. And if I am a master, where is my reverence? <laughs> you may see a lot of people today think, you know, they, they don't think about uh, just busting right in God's house with no reverence or or whatever, but God thinks a lot about it. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, I, I like pepperoni pizza and sipping on a Coke just as much as anybody, but I ain't going to come in God's house with a pepperoni pizza sucking on a straw filled with Coke. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody. God says, where is my reverence, saith the Lord of hosts? To you priests, oh my, hmm. now he's getting on me. I'm not a priest, but I, I'm the New Testament counterpart of it. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled blood on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. <laughs> Glory. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? See, the people brought in the animals for the priest to do the sacrifice. As Brother Flannery says, are you tracking with me? Hallelujah. The people brought the animals in for sacrifice, presented them to the priest, and they were supposed to do the sacrifice. The priest, the Levites, at this time, those who was running the house of God, Brother Paul, they got to where they would keep 
the quality stock for their own use, and then they would take those animals to come in that were blind and limping and lame, something that they couldn't get good price for on the market. And if you go all the way back to where the sacrifices started, God told them from the beginning, if you bring a sacrifice before God, that sacrifice needs to be perfect. That sacrifice can't have a blemish. You don't offer a blind animal or a limping animal to me, God says. Hallelujah. If you're going to give something to God, give him your best. Hallelujah. Give him your best. Amen. Give him of the first fruits and not what's left over. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So there's got to be a willingness to make a sacrifice if you want to touch the heart of God. Amen. Don't, don't begin to squirm and wiggle like a worm in hot ashes when the preacher starts telling you to get out of your comfort zone like I talked about this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Be willing to give up something for God. Be willing, hallelujah, to do something that you got to put a little effort into because you're trying not to impress man, but you're trying to touch the heart of God. There's one more error that I'm going to mention tonight, then I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to close. And like I said, there's many other things. But I feel like these, these top the list, these three things. Amen. Approaching him with a contrite heart, a willingness to make a sacrifice. And, and third, the third thing probably is one of the hardest things for so many people to do. If you really want to touch God's heart, there's got to be a willingness to forgive. That's so hard for so many of us. And, and this right here, the reason why this touches the heart of God, because at the center of God is forgiveness. And his forgiveness stems from his love. Let me, let me, let me just be blunt and tell you this. Uh, you've got to have love in your heart to be able to forgive. One reason why it's so important, because when you are willing to forgive somebody who has hurt you, who has used you, who has abused you in some kind of way, by you, just for the fact that you're forgiving them, proves to God your love. If you don't have love, you can't forgive. Forgiveness comes out of love. Believe me, the forgiveness God gives you and me, it comes out of his love for us. If he didn't love us, do you think he would put up with us like he do? His long-suffering? Hallelujah. We've got to be willing to forgive if we want to touch the heart of God. The Bible in the New Testament gives us that principle. If you come to the altar... To pray to God about something, it uses the phraseology presenting a gift. And you remember your brother has an alt against you. God says, uh, uh, leave that there, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come back. Hallelujah. 
Touching the heart of God is important that you touch him through forgiveness. There may be more people get kicked out of heaven for not being able to give than there's going to be people kicked out of heaven for being a liar, being a thief. Just being a downright scoundrel. And how would you think about it on the day of judgment? You stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he, he says your name's not in the book. I see where your name was blotted out of the book because so-and-so did something, and you never did forgive them, so you can't go in. And then right before you get sent down to the, to the hot place, you look over this way, and that person that you didn't forgive had gotten things right with God, and they're getting into heaven. And you get and getting left out because you never did forgive them. That'd be rough, wouldn't it? Hallelujah. The plain fact is, anybody, anybody uh, uh, that uh, that you're holding something against and you can't let go of, you're letting them live in your mind rent free. Hallelujah. And by the way, forgiveness is for you, not for them. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. And this is the last scripture that I'm going to be reading. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. I, I picked this scripture out of, out of many, many that's in the New Testament about forgiveness because this kind of sums it up. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive give him? Up to seven times. Now I figure, knowing, knowing that uh, Peter, like I do, that old uh, rusty fisherman on the Sea of Galilee that was good for his foul language and uh, and. and uh, and all and all of that stuff. There, but probably there were probably somebody done done something to Peter. He already forgave them seven times, and he didn't want to fool with them no more. So he says, "Lord, how many times can I forgive him? Is it up to seven times?" I believe Peter may have been waiting for God to say yes, so he could turn around and say, "Goodbye, buddy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah." James and John's his cohorts. James and John's two brothers. Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Hallelujah. Because one time they went into a place, Jesus did, and the people wasn't treating him right. And James John says, Lord, what do you want us to do? Call far down from heaven and devour them all? Hallelujah. We got some apostolics right today just bit, uh, chomping at the bit saying, let me go get them, Lord. Let me go get them, Lord. Let me go get them. And I guarantee you, if God gave you the okay, you'd cut a trail right after him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Peter says, how many times do I kind of keep forgiving these folks? Jesus says, I do not say unto you up to 70 times, but up to 70 times seven. And don't think after 490 times that you've got to clear away and just go on. Because 
You know, let's start counting that. Hallelujah. We we gotta we gotta have a willingness to forgive, to be able to touch the heart of God. In closing tonight, think about the benefits, the things God has done for us. When you walk, wake up in the morning, think about what can I do for God today? What can I give to him to render to him for the benefits he's given to me? Try to touch God's heart. Now, there's many other things that I, I don't have time. But when you remember the poor, you're touching the heart of God. When you give to those who's in need. Hallelujah. Did you know the Bible says, whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. He who gives to the poor lendeth to the Lord. Amen. I used to work with a guy. Come to me every now and then. Preacher man, let me hold five to payday. He had hold that five longer than payday. Hallelujah. But um, what, what if you let God hold something for you? Giving to the poor is like loaning God a five to payday. God is not going to owe anybody anything. Come on. Let's all stand together tonight. Sing something.